and good afternoon. This is Alicia Bales. I'm live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. Hey, Drew. Hello, Alicia. Great to have you back. Great to be here. So things are finally um, improving in the county in a substantial and I hope sustained way. Um, Our daily case count has dropped over 50% over the last two weeks. Uh, We added only 85 cases in the last week, bringing our total number to 7,402 Um, Only, and I say this in parentheses, but only 140 are in isolation and quarantine in the county as of now. And hospitalization has dropped below 10 for the first time in a couple months, three months perhaps. Um, So we have nine in the hospital, three in ICU level care, um, and no new deaths. Um, So It's been a couple weeks now. In terms of the no new deaths, yeah, yeah, it, it's been it's been about two weeks, maybe ten days. Thank goodness. Um, so that is good. We actually are now more or less on parity with our adjoining counties. Um, still not quite as good as the Bay Area per per one hundred thousand um, case counts, but um, we are no longer sort of this bizarre outlier. And I don't really know that it reflected anything real other than just sort of the the random variation of COVID that we've seen unfold. California is down 26% um, over the course of the last uh, two weeks, and our numbers are still holding quite good. The national averages are continuing to decline. We're down to about 80,000 cases daily nationwide, with about 20% decline over two weeks. Somewhat worrisome, though, is the increase in case counts in the colder states, uh, where people are now back indoors and spreading viruses more readily. So we're talking about the Rocky Mountain, northern Rocky Mountain, northern Midwest, um, New England states. Those case counts are actually starting to uh, not climb sharply yet, although a few are, but on the whole, at least the rate of decline has reversed completely. So stay tuned there. Um, as to breaking news, really, there hasn't been a lot in terms of scientific discoveries regarding um, COVID in the last week or COVID treatment. Um, the, the song remains more or less the same still. We haven't yet received um, full authorization of expanded vaccines, um, though that will probably come by the end of the month, um, certainly by the first week of November. Expanded vaccines means everybody can get their booster rather than just emergency workers and elderly and exactly and under age twelve the under age twelve group as well ah okay so, so both that's, of those that's still that's still out there and when do you say we'll hear about the kids I it's going under review this week is my understanding so that should result in some sort of movement um, you know in the first week or two of November whether that is full emergency use authorization or just an announcement that that is coming we'll see huh okay so no still no rush to vaccinate the apparently not yeah they're taking their time i mean i presume people are working hard at this but working hard in a 40-hour work week kind of way right not working around the clock anymore yeah i did hear something on the news about um some discussion about it was this morning about um People who have the Johnson & Johnson vaccine getting a booster with Pfizer or Moderna and mixing that up. And yes. I, I wondered what you would have to say about that. Yeah, I, what I have to say about that is if if the FDA were to um, follow the science, they would be encouraging people to mix and match their um, booster shot um, because there's fairly good 
data to showing that that helps. Um, that's actually what's being followed in a lot of European jurisdictions. Huh. Um, and some U.S. jurisdictions actually are authorizing and administering booster shots for people who got the J&J. Um, the San Francisco being one of them, I know. Um, so it's a good idea. I, I don't think that the drug companies are really fond of your going out out of network, if you will. So if you're a Pfizer vaccine consumer, they want you to stay Pfizer or Moderna. Uh -huh. Yes, follow the money, right? Oh. Mm -hmm. Well, what about the reverse? What if you had Pfizer? Would it be advisable to get J&J? Probably not, actually. Um, it, it wouldn't be harmful in any way, and it would probably boost the efficacy um, of your immune response. Um, but all things being equal, we know that the uh, mRNA vaccines are just slightly more effective, mm -hmm. um, particularly against the Delta. Now, that being said, um, I think we are about to see a second shot authorization of the J&J, &J, uh, which will bring its efficacy up to um, the level seen with mRNAs, but that's as a two-shot regimen. So interesting. And what about those of us who have Pfizer? Would you advise us getting Moderna for our boosters? I don't think you're going to get it because it's not approved yet. And so you would have to find a healthcare provider who's willing to go off-label. Yeah. Well, um, anecdotally, I have been hearing a lot of that. Yes. But. Well, we are allowed to use things off-label in the f medical field, but county health doesn't like my saying that. Oh. Okay. <laughs> You didn't hear it here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, any other news? Then not much going on. No, I mean numbers are numbers are much better. Yeah. Um, COVID's still here, and it is going to remain here. Guess what? Uh, for the remainder of the winter. Um, you know, the real concern is whether there's going to be a new strain that sort of overwhelms us because it's more effective at evading the um, either natural or vaccine-induced immunity that the vast majority of us have at this point. I imagine, you know, if we're able to get a single good test of our immune um, response to COVID, that our immunity in this county is pushing 90, 95%. Um, but, you know, that immunity is specific to the strains of COVID that we've seen so far. And if we're seeing, you know, worldwide case counts of a half million daily, which we are uh, at least, that's a very large opportunity for continued mutation and well, are there any uh, other variants on the horizon that you that you've followed or that are kind of cropping up out there? Yeah, there are. I mean, there 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 are quite a few to be not, sure. Not moo. Well, moo is. <laughs> you just like saying. Moo. I do actually. <laughs> Sorry, I uh, moo. moo. Moo is is one of them to be sure. Uh, it just hasn't ascended to any sort of degree of dominance. I think because Delta has swamped out its potential hosts with Delta's more readily uh, transmissible nature. Mood causes worse disease, uh, from what we can tell. Ah, but it's um, just not as contagious. It's not as contagious as Delta. Delta has really specialized and excelled at making itself readily transmitted from person to person. Mm -hmm. All right. And any, any other sort of scary germs out there? <laughs> yes, there are. With the spiky kind, the COVID oh, this, kind. The COVID yeah. kind. No, no, I, we don't need to. We, I mean, we don't. It's Halloween. None, Come on. There's none that we need to talk about on the air right okay. now. I mean, they're, they're not emerging in any sort of rapid way um, at this point. Well, speaking of scary germs, um, the flu season is upon us, it right? Is. Yes. It and is. so I have an announcement here from Anderson Valley Health Center that they are having a 
Fall drive through Flu Clinic for free flu shots. And that is on Wednesday, October 20th from 3 to 5.30. It's at Anderson Valley High School, that drive through where I got my first swab for COVID. Um, and it's for ages four and older, and there will be goodie bags for kids. Ooh. So drive through Flu. Yeah, drive through Flu Clinic. Say that three times fast. Flu. Uh, free flu shots, which yeah. I think is a great deal. Yes. I never had a flu shot before COVID. Well, welcome to the immunization world. Thank you. Yeah, yeah everything's changed. Um, okay, so we're going to ho- go ahead and open up the phone lines. 895-2448 is the number in the studio. If you have questions about COVID, vaccinations, treatments, or anything else that's going on with the pandemic locally or anywhere else. Aha, now I'm seeing this phone ring. You ready? Mm-hmm. Hello, caller. You are live on the air. Hi. Um, I've got a series of questions about, mostly about the booster. And my question is, um, Pfizer was supposed to be, after 120 days or so, the uh, percentage effectiveness was in the 70s, and we weren't advised to get shots until the six-month or eight-month period. So I assume at that point it was down in the 60s. You know, I assume it. There's some curve at which it continues to drop. So my question is, when you get your booster shot, is there a sense of how high the efficacy, the effectiveness, whatever the appropriate word in this case is, gets you? And can we assume that after a period of time, maybe another six months, there will be a fourth shot? And also, how are the numbers determined? Is it that 90% number they came up with? Is it hospitalizations? Is it, what exactly is it? All right, so good questions all. Um, the, the timing, um, to, take, to take one of your questions, um, the timing of the booster was really determined by looking at the body's sort of complex immune system and looking at all these markers at um, the body's ability to mount an effective immune uh, response. And it, it's not like you can simply get an antibody test um, and say, okay, it's dropped below 70% and now it's time for the booster. There are a lot of different markers that immunologists and vaccinologists had studied to try to figure out when the immunity is dropping to an appreciable level um, that a booster shot was indicated. And your numbers are about right. It dropped to about 70% after about six to eight months in most people that they studied. Um, the booster, so the third shot, um, and I think this can be extrapolated to Moderna as well, um, the third shot brings it back into the 90-95% efficacy range, uh, which is to say it's going to stop about 19 out of 20 of uh, symptomatic cases of COVID. Um, so that those are, those are the numbers. Um, your question about um, whether there's going to be a fourth booster, um, you know, another six or four or six or eight months down the line is, is a really good one. I don't have a definitive answer, but what we know about other vaccines is in general, when you're able to finally get the immune system boosted to a 
to a sufficient extent to um, have some durability, which is what we're talking about, is the durability of our immune system's memory of this of this pathogen. Um, the third booster is going to, I think, produce longer durability. So I don't think we're going to see a booster that's going to be required in six or eight months, at least not for these particular flavors of COVID that we're seeing right now. Now, there's certainly a possibility that a new and more dangerous strain could emerge over the course of the next four to six months that is not um, not stopped by these vaccines, at which point then the, the, you know, the pharmaceutical industry would have to tweak their formulas and more or less a new vaccine in the form of a booster uh, would be indicated. We're not there yet. We might not get there ever, um, but there's certainly a very real possibility um, that that could occur. And I would like to speculate that these um, drug companies are actually studying these emerging potential variants, mu or otherwise, um, and figuring out how they would tweak their formulas to be effective against them in case that needs to be um, made operational. Great. Um one other thing, I, I read at some point that Moderna, and I don't know how accurate or real it was, I forget where I read it, seems like it's over a month ago, that they were recommending half a booster, you know, half the half dose they've given the first time for their booster. And anecdotally, it seemed to me that a higher percentage of people I bumped into, true science here, you know, had a bigger after effect from the Moderna shot than from the Pfizer shot. And when you read the number of whatever the units, microgram, you know, milligrams in the shots, the Moderna shot was a bigger dose of stuff, I believe, very scientific language here. Um, but in any event, um, if there is a fourth go around, I guess I would try and get Moderna. But their numbers didn't drop out of the 90s, right, after four months or so? Yeah, their their numbers are a bit better. So they being Moderna. Moderna's immunity right. with the with the two-dose uh, sequence that many of us received um, seems to produce greater durability than what we are seeing with a Pfizer. And yes, you're correct. Moderna is advocating and has been advocating for a half-sized uh, third booster dose because you're not really needing to train your immune system. You're just needing to to remind it, if you will. And so you don't necessarily need as much of an exposure on that third booster shot. Whether that's going to come to fruition or not, I don't know. You know, last week or maybe it was the week before, we had a call about somebody who weighed only 80 pounds and had a very, very potent response to the booster, I think it was. Um, and that's, you know, that's a weight dose. I speculated that was a weight dose sort of response, which is why Moderna is saying, you know what, we can, we can still get the efficacy without the side effects of, you know, a flu-like syndrome for 48 hours. Because, you know, mm-hmm. many of us do need to go to work. Um, and right. it's it's pretty hard to go to work if you're feeling like you have the flu, whether it's vaccine-induced or not, uh, the day after getting your third booster. And right. that, that just makes it a harder sell. So I, I, think it's, I think it's a good idea to at least look into this, um, you know, pretty thoroughly before saying, no, we're just going to stick to the, the, the original formulation. All right, caller, thank you so much for the questions. Thank you both so much for doing this for so long. Thanks for the call. Our pleasure. Okay, bye. Bye. You didn't sound sound enthusiastic there, Alicia. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. 
Hi. Hey. Um, I have had both of the Moderna shots, the two. The last one was um, March 18th, and I wondered if I should go ahead and get a Pfizer booster or if I should wait for the Moderna. You know, it's it it doesn't on an individual basis. So we're talking about you know, we're talking about the margins here in terms of protection, um, and we're talking about very small percentages at an individual level in terms of what protection this may afford you. So I wouldn't spend a lot of time um, individually worrying as to whether you should get boosted with the Pfizer or the Moderna. Um, as a population, you know, and when you when you extrapolate this to 330 million people, then it does start to add up these very small differences. But on an individual risk assessment basis, um, the Moderna versus the Pfizer distinction um, is really not going to make that big of a difference. I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, maybe it will be. I don't think it would be easy for you to get vaccinated uh, with a different vaccine than your initial one. Um I really wouldn't sweat it. If you would feel better getting the alternative, that is probably going to be slightly more effective. But I say that without a lot of good data because that hasn't received drug company support to research that that hypothesis. But what we do know is that the immune system likes to get um, exposed to slight variants on the theme, if you will, um, which gives it broader and more robust um, response capabilities. But Again, in terms of what you should or should not be doing, it's just not worth agonizing over. Um, it really isn't. You know, get your, you were vaccinated, you said, in middle of March with the Moderna. So you still have fairly durable immunity um, even at this point. The Pfizer would starting to be waning at this point, and I would urge you to get boosted with the Pfizer vaccine. But it would be fine for you to wait for the Moderna when that becomes rolled out. That would be doing without that little variation, though. Right. That would. That is correct. But again, that that is a very marginal difference on the individual basis in terms of one's protection. And frankly, it's more. It's not backed up yet by really good science. Now, some of the European jurisdictions are doing it because everything points toward that being slightly more effective. But we don't have good studies, at least here in the U.S., that point toward that um, recommendation. Okay, well, thank you very much. Sure. All right, thanks for the call. Hello, caller. Uh, You're live on the air. Yes, hi. Um, I had the um, Pfizer booster back on a week ago Friday, and I had an adverse reaction. I had the COVID arm, which is the spot stays, uh, red spot stays, and is really painful in your whole arm for oh, over a week or more. It still is painful. But then I broke out in blisters, very itchy, painful blisters, like little water blisters all over my body. And I have blood blisters on my lips and in my mouth, and it's going down my throat. I have been to the emergency room, but I'd like to know how long do these blisters last, because it's been over a week, and I am in agony. Boy, I wish I had a good answer for you. I've only seen this a couple times as a response to these vaccines. Um, It is a known side effect or an effect of them. Um, 
everybody seems to be different, um, but I don't have a lot of depth of experience with giving you a prognostication of how much longer you're going to be suffering with this. I can tell you, fortunately, uh, maybe this is some solace, that these aren't dangerous. They're just extremely unpleasant. Um, the, the COVID arm, if you will, or the, the post-COVID vaccine arm, it, you know, it, it varies from person to person. A lot of people have um, symptoms similar to a tetanus booster. Um, some people it's more severe. A lot of people do get that red spot, which may or may not be itchy. All of those things are pretty common and benign and, as we say in medicine, self-limiting. So there's really not any treatment for them. In your case, you know, Benadryl might help a little bit, um, but there's not anything much more specific that's going to shorten your course of illness. Okay, well, I had to go to the emergency room on Thursday because the blood blisters were going down my throat and I couldn't eat or swallow. Or, and um, I did uh, contact my doctor, and he said, go to the emergency room. So I did, and I sat there for a while. They gave me pregnizone, um, 20 milligrams of pregnizone, and had me sit there for an hour to make sure I didn't have a reaction to that. And... Um, it seemed to help somewhat, but I'm still in agony. Yeah, and I, you know, the steroids are good because it's an anti-inflammatory, right? I mean, they're not benign, to be sure, but they do help the inflammation. A lot of your pain and agony is due to the inflammation that accompanies these uh, blisters. It's also, um, the, the steroids also modulate your immune response, which is really what's triggering this. Um, and so that's why you felt some degree of relief from, you know, a relatively modest-sized dose of prednisone. Um it's, you know, whether this lasts another three or four days or another week, I just don't, unfortunately, have a good answer for you. Mm. Yeah. Okay, well. Hang in there. Well, yeah. thank you for calling, caller, and letting us know that that's one of the realities. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I did it, I mean, religiously, I did everything I was supposed to do. Yeah. And, and I end up like this. Well, you know, it is, you know, as we are seeing, um, both nationally and locally, there are people getting really symptomatic, sick, breakthrough COVID cases, and people are dying with breakthrough COVID cases, even if they're fully immunized. That is happening. That will continue to happen. So I, I urge you to you know, your present agony needs to be kept in perspective um, in terms of your risk of getting severe COVID, um, which is, you know, not trivial. Um, you know, it's, it's contained, um, but all things being equal, that third vaccine, even with your sort of exuberant response, um, is still probably a lot less agonizing than, you know, moderately severe COVID. Oh, yes, like Colin Powell this morning. Oh, exactly. yeah. yeah. That was a shock. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. You're All welcome. Right. Hang in there. Thanks. Yeah. I hope you, you feel so better much. soon. Okay. okay. Bye-bye. Oh, poor, poor person. Yeah, that sounds miserable. It does. Ugh. God, blisters. It, it's always coming up with something new for us, yeah, right? There's something. a lot of fluid in the emergency room. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, the lines are open right now, but we do have another caller. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Um, yes, I want to share something that really scared me. Um, I'm a nurse. And I learned last week that a former supervisor of mine, also a nurse, has located a doctor in Ukiah who is accepting payments to create false vaccination cards. And that just is making me really sick. 
So that's all I have to say. Bless you, Drew, for every, everything you do. Bye. Well, that is um, disturbing, to say the least. I can't really verify that because this is the first I've heard of it. Um, but that would, in fact, be a federal offense. Um, and so the federalities could get involved. And I think the the penalty for creating false vaccination cards is jail time. Is it? Um, it is certainly revocation of a medical license. So whoever this doctor is should be exposed um, and brought to swift and certain justice. You haven't heard any rumors about this? No, well, it's the first I've heard of it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well... If you've heard anything about this, I guess let us know. Yeah, the, or call the police. Yeah. It's a crime. So call the police if you know specifics around this and report it. All right. Thanks for that call, caller. Um, can hear how disturbed you are by, by that. Yeah. 895-2448 is the number in the studio. Hello, caller. Thank you for the show. Yeah. Um, I just had a question. I've heard in certain situations on the East Coast not the West Coast, but there's been um, a possibility for religious exemptions. And I'm wondering if that is a possibility in California and how we go about doing that. Yeah, so there is. Um, that is a, I mean, it depends what you're talking about. So if you are in a place of employment that requires vaccination, which is the only places right now that require vaccination, um, then there isn't a re- religious exemption that you can apply for. Um, and each organization has its own protocol as to who that goes to and what sort of review it has. Um, so in the setting of Adventist Health, for example, it goes to corporate headquarters and they review that exemption application. And it's my understanding that Adventist, um, I think, only granted about three or four in this county. So they're they're quite parsimonious with it. Yeah, so how do, I mean... Are they only allowed to give away a certain number of exemptions? Is that how that no, works? No, they they have to review. The, no, there's there's. It's not like there's a a a. Um, quota. A quota that they aren't allowed to exceed. Um, it's it's really just they review sort of the basis for the religious exemption that's claimed. I'm kind of confused by it because I'm not familiar with any religion um, that um, is opposed to vaccination. So it's it's kind of a, a bizarre exemption in my mind because it's not really – there's not really any religion that I'm aware of that um, makes it part of their tenets that you don't get vaccinated. Um, and frankly, I, I would submit that anybody sub- requesting a religious exemption is really undermining sort of the claim of religiosity because they're using that claim um, to seek an exemption, which is frankly probably unsupported by that religion but i'm open if you if you want to talk to me about a church that is the church of the non-vaccinated um you know let me know well it seems like religion such a personal thing that the idea that someone you know who doesn't even know you um can judge whether or not they they think you're abiding by your own faith whatever that faith may be right and that's and that's why more tricky to me yeah, no, and that's why the exemption exists. Um, but right. you know, most of the agent, most of the organizations require some some assertion or some documentation to sort of to demonstrate um, a 
you know a a basis for the for the requested exemption. I agree, though. You get into deep water trying to figure out whether that's an yeah, honestly you... held belief or not. But then again, we're talking about religion, and we're not talking about COVID. So you know, any any Christian will tell you if you take Jesus into your life in the last few seconds of your life, you're going to heaven. But you know, it doesn't really take into account the last previous 80 years or so of your life so i you know there it's it's okay. it's a fraught subject um, well, I, I don't want you judging whether or not i'm following by my faith no of course not no and i, I and frankly i don't want to be in that position either um but yeah. it's That's you know not the job of a doctor well i would hope not we'd be yeah. pretty bad at it right you yeah. have other things to to do um Okay, but cool. it's a good question, and it's it's a fair one. The exemption exists um, under you know state and federal law, so I think it's actually you know m- mostly um, available in just about every jurisdiction. There are some healthcare systems that are not allowing for it, um, but n- to my knowledge, none in this county, and I don't think any even in this state. I think most of the ones in the state are are allowing for that um, requested exemption. Yeah, it just seems tricky. It seems like, you know, no matter no matter what, everyone's trying to back everyone into being forced um, to do it. And so a lot of people, I can imagine, are turning to that exemption, trying to figure out, like, well, no one else will trust me with my own health decisions, and everyone thinks that I'm the enemy if I don't get vaccinated, so what are my options here? Right, and this is, um, this is the you know, only and exemption. I, I don't think that a, pay, a doctor being paid off is the right thing. But I think people should have the right to be able to say, no, thank you, and I'm going to take my life into my own hands. Sure, but then you probably don't have the right to enter that facility and work or be exposed to other people, right? So well, if everyone else is vaccinated and then the vaccines work, then it should be fine, right? No. The Why vaccines not? do. The vaccines work but yeah. only if the person's vaccinated, right? So you don't have a constitutional right to a particular job. You don't have a constitutional right to enter a particular store or attend a particular event. Um, and so if you have the desire to not get vaccinated, that's fine. But then that's going to come with certain um, costs, right? And so yeah, I just don't understand why everyone's so upset. If I don't get vaccinated and they are vaccinated, why are they so upset? Well, because you're increasing the likelihood that COVID is going to continue to spread and um, make people sick in this community, right? I know more people at this point who have had breakthrough infections than I know have actually had COVID without a vaccine. So the, the, vac- the, the virus is spreading even amongst the vaccinated. Yes, of course, but it's not causing as much morbidity or mortality. Well, that's where we all have a right to, you know, take our own life decisions into our own hands and take that risk. I mean, I just heard the woman who's got blisters going down her throat. That sounds worse than COVID in some cases. Really? Because I've actually had, to look, through, I've had to look through a lot of vocal cords when I put a breathing tube in a COVID patient, and then I look at their CT scan, and their lungs are full of pus. So I can well, tell I you... I you on I, that, but when you're of the age group that's at so low risk... Right, but you're, you're not getting vaccinated is putting that age group at increased risk, right? So you're making a very selfish decision to not take a hit and be sick for a day or two, potentially, from the vaccine, and putting everybody else at risk, particularly the elderly, particularly the immune suppressed, at getting COVID. And that's your personal decision, but your well, personal decision should, does not, it does not be. extend you the right to work in a particular place or go to a particular facility, right? Well, I would hope the high-risk people would get vaccinated because we know the vaccine works, but the people who are low-risk should have the right to opt out. Yeah, opt out and also opt out of any public venue that wants to keep its patrons or patients safe. 
yeah, speaking of religion, it sounds like the new Scientology religion of just, you know, setting up boundaries and walls and forcing people to do what they think is right. I, um, a little absurd to me. All right. Well, we did just hear from you that you seem to think vaccines work, so I appreciate that. All right, caller. I do. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't get one because I'm so low risk. Okay. Thanks for that, caller. Thank you. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Oh, hi. It's you. Hello. Um, touchy, touchy subject, but this is a great show. I like uh, touchy subjects. Yeah. Just not mushy yeah, ones. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just wanted to pipe in real fast. Um, I just got my booster. Good. No blisters, I hope. And and I don't remember if I heard it on this show or somewhere else, but I just would like to bring up the fact that um, if it wasn't for vaccines, we still might be a British colony. George Washington insisted that all the revolutionary soldiers get vaccinated against smallpox. Yes, it was perhaps... That was a, that the, was a job requirement. Yes, and let me tell you, the smallpox vaccine was not benign by contemporary standards. Um, it had a fair amount of morbidity um, and mortality associated with it on the order of several magnitudes greater than um, any modern era vaccine, to be certain. But yes, you're exactly right. It did probably, it was sort of this unheralded uh, medical advance that probably turned the tide of the Revolutionary War um, because the entire ad hoc army of George Washington was protected against smallpox, whereas the British troops were not. Um, and that had a pretty large toll on um, the outcome. But so good this point. is going back quite a ways. Yep. Well, <laughs> no you know, and, idea. Uh, I think I think all morbidities at the time had a uh, incidence of, of magnitudes higher than they do now. So. Yes, we are we are a very safe and pampered society, to be certain. Does that mean more people got sick and died? Yes. Okay. Thank yes. you, guys. Yep. Like on the order of one to two percent from the vaccine, from the smallpox vaccine back then. Yeah. All right, caller. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Thanks but a lot. Good point. Fun Thank point. A little, little historical point yeah, there. Yeah, we love that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I almost want to break out the Hamilton soundtrack now. <laughs> Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Yeah, so I heard your guest saying how there's probably only a couple exemptions at Adventist Health. That's um, Anonymously, that... I'm going to tell you that that is not true at all. Um, very many people at Adventist are getting religious exemptions. And also, it, it just, it's also an administration, pretty thick. So that's it. I have nothing more to say, but it's a lot of people. It's kind of scary. Caller, can you have a g- good day. give us a Bye. sense of your source on that? She said she wanted to remain anonymous. Okay, because it's now it's kind of like he said, she said. And I don't know. Adventist is publicizing that they've issued four religious exemptions. Maybe that news is a Bullshit. Oh. oh, all right. Gotta go. Bleep. Bye. Okay. Well, okay, 895-2448 is the number to call here to get on the air. This is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. We've got all sorts of news breaking This has been very, this has been been a lively show. Just just to be clear, I feel like I should make this, I have not done a disclaimer for a while, but just to be clear, I am not an employee of Adventist Health. I am not an employee of Mendocino Department of Public Health. I am a partner with Pacific Redwood Medical Group. I am a board-certified emergency room physician practicing at the UK. Adventist Hospital. Disclaim. Yep, disclaim away. We will take our next call. You ready? I'm ready. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. 
Yes, sorry. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Uh, uh, quickie comment. You were wondering about a religion that opposes vaccines. Yeah. Well, there is one. Good. What is it? It's Christian science. Well, the, the founder of the Christian Science Church actually was a big proponent of vaccines. Uh, you get, that's news to me. I never heard that. Yeah, that, that's my understanding. I don't think so. I I used to be a Christian Scientist, and I never heard that. But maybe you know something I don't know. It's not impossible. But anyway, long story short, they are opposed to vaccines. They they uh, take the side door out by saying uh, we want to follow all the laws, and so if the laws require vaccination of children, um, we happily comply but since this isn't a law to my knowledge well maybe it is i don't know but anyway i just wanted to share that uh quick thought for you no it's it's a good um, question it's one that i've actually discussed with other providers because you know christian scientists are not exactly known to consume um allopathic health care um and so they would be the natural um carve out exception um to the vaccination mandates but I, I I defer to you. I've I've certainly never been a member of the Christian Science Church of Christian Scientists. So if you have been, um, I I'm not a religious expert by any stretch of the imagination. Well, yes. Let me tell you, it was it was decades to extricate myself from it. It's yeah. a very very heavy duty um, binding. It's it's a, it's a cult in a lot of ways. With a lot of um, anyway, we won't go down that road. Nope. Anyway, can I just share two other thoughts about the vaccine that I don't know if you had, I, I I just picked you up. Uh, you know. 20 minutes ago. But two other thoughts that bother me about all these people that are fighting the vaccine. I'm going to percentage wise, I'm going to guess most of them are just trying to earn merit badges with the Trumps, um, you know, by making a political statement, you know. But the consequences to society, it's not just that it's two, two things that I don't know if you discussed this that I'd like to offer. One is that it prolongs the, it pro, because it prolongs this, you know, pandemic, it therefore increases the likelihood of um, variants and mutations coming on that are going to be much, much worse. Yes. You know, Delta is more contagious. It's not more lethal. But the next one, because it's been hanging around, you know, may well be. Yes. And then the second thing is the cost to society. Uh, the huge cost of all these extra people, it's not just cr- making the entire medical profession burn out and quit, um, which is devastating enough, but the cost of putting somebody in an incubator for three three weeks, and that's always picked up, very rarely by the patient, almost always picked up in one way or another by society, either in uh, insurance uh paying for it insurance premiums or the hospital eating it and having to pay for it other ways or medicare paying for it and running out of money sooner so i think that i don't know if you covered that earlier in your in your program but those are very serious negative consequences of people refusing to take the vaccine putting themselves at risk winding up in the hospital and uh, extending this thing on at a cost huge cost to society so Points quite well made. I could not have said it better myself. I've alluded to those points on previous shows, but I appreciate hearing it from you, sir. I, 
you know, one additional point that I'll make um, is, you know, we, it's it not, we're not exactly asking you to storm Omaha, right? We're asking you to take a vaccine to keep your neighbor, your community, um, your county, and your country safe. It's not exactly a big ask by the government. Now, there are many reasons not to trust big pharma, big medicine, or big government. But this is really a pretty small personal sacrifice um, to keep your neighbors and your family and yourself safe. So, you know, your point is quite well made. Um, and, you know, I just, I just keep, I keep wishing that it would penetrate. I don't, you know, I, the one caveat I have with your call is I don't think it's just the, you know, the Trump supporting base that's not vaccinated, particularly in this county. I think it's much more complex than that, much yeah. more nuanced than that um, in this county. Now, there is certainly a red state versus blue state divide as the on the whole. But here in Mendelin, I, I think it bifurcates um, on both sides of the political spectrum. Yep. Yeah, well, there aren't that many Trumpites, Trumpites here, but but across the country is what I was trying yeah, to say. Yeah, no, well, thanks for your call. I appreciate it. All right, thanks for that. Yeah, I've been hearing um, among some folks in the county this idea of the science of natural immunity. Uh, this is not a Trumpy concept. This is um, people who come from the more sort of alternative or it's sort just, of natural side of things and. It's just so bizarre that we're talking about immunity and then political party affiliation. It's yeah. just such a but, crazy divergence of. It's where we live now. Reason. Yes. We've got about mm, six or seven minutes left. Let's take another call. Okay. Okay. 895-2448 is the on-air number. Hello, caller. You're live on the air. Hi. I'm so thankful for your show. I was just curious. I'm, I'm so sad about the woman who called in. And so I wondered, you know, if there's a mandate for the emergency room to um, report this adverse effect from the shot. It's and not, the other thing I'd like to know is if we could, I love the COVID dashboard. It's very informative. But the one thing that it does lack is how many of the deaths were fully vaccinated. Yeah, it. Right. The, that is so your second point um it doesn't have that data it actually has removed a lot of data that i would argue and have argued it should be on there um and you know i i regret that but for whatever reason that has just not happened um as to your first question as to whether there's mandated reporting there isn't um it's you know there are there are a handful of diseases that we as healthcare providers are required to report um to um, the CDC, but suspected vaccine um, adverse reactions is not one of them. That being said, it is one that we can and do report um, on a regular basis. So what I wonder is if there's no full transparency, Mm -hmm. if we're not reporting fully, like, you know, do you, you still feel comfortable pushing this shot? Yeah, well, I mean, it's not that it's not being reported fully. There's also the ability to report to self-report, um, you know, on the on the uh, CDC's website, any um, vaccine or any suspected vaccine response. That data is not as reliable because well, that would kind of be like Wikipedia, right? Like I, I could call and say I had any kind of effect, but ex- if I went to the doctor, if I show up at the ER, yep. and I have something going on. And I just got a, my third shot or whatever, like this woman was sharing. Sure. It's like, 
I, I'm just curious. It should be, I feel, mandated that that's yeah, it would, shared. It would be. It would give Especially us through the ER. That's you're the doctor, right? Right. No. So <laughs> it would give us better data to be certain. Um, and frankly, I I am a bit surprised that it is not mandated re- reporting, but it isn't. Now I can say personally, having seen somebody with what I suspected to be vaccine induced myocarditis, <laughs> that I have in fact reported that. Um, and I think thank you, Doctor Colfax. Most of my thank providers you. are doing the same thing when we see somebody either with a condition like myocarditis or these blisters that are temporally related to the booster shot. Um, but it's not, it's just not mandated, uh, which is remarkable because I feel a lot well, of... Well, we're mandated to get vaccines, or I shouldn't even say vaccine, shot, but you're not vaccinated to report, which seems so weird. Anyway, <laughs> this is this is the state in which we live. Indeed. All right, caller, thank you for that. Uh, we probably have time for one more call, call dare I call. say. Um, it's 3.58. What do you think? Uh, it's never a good idea, but let's do it anyway. Oh, you're feeling lucky. <laughs> Hello, caller, you're live on the air. You're our last call. Can you make it speedy? Oh, I'm trying to make it quick. I wonder if having the vaccine keeps you from spreading the virus. If you can catch somebody, catch, catch, get the virus from somebody who um, who is vaccinated? Yeah, good question. The answer, the short answer is yes. Um, it used to be uh, pre pre Delta. The incidence of that was thought to be pretty low, um, but Delta is so contagious that even vaccinated people still can spread the virus. Not the same rate as uh, unvaccinated or naive uh, individuals, but it still certainly does happen. Well, thank you very much for that info. Mm-hmm. Okay, take care. That was a quick question. That was amazingly yep. short. Truth in advertising. Yep. Yay, you did it. Okay, so uh, it is the local coronavirus update. I'm Alicia Bales. I'm live in the studio with Dr. Drew Colfax. We're going to sign off at this point. Thank you, Drew. Of course. We are going to see you back here. Yes. Yes. We, we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> we'll talk Stay about tuned. That. We'll talk about that later. This has been the Local Coronavirus Update podcast with Dr. Drew Colfax, produced by Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM and 88.1 FM in Fort Bragg, California. You can also hear us live on the web 24 hours a day at www.kzyx.org. If you'd like to listen live and call in to the local coronavirus update, you can find us in our new time every second and fourth Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Our live studio call-in number is 707-895-2448. You can also email your questions anytime at dj at kzyx.org. And you can always catch us right here as a podcast, KZYX Local Coronavirus Update with Dr. Drew Colfax. Our theme music is Bad News Blues by Lucinda Williams, and our outro music is a song called Stump Town, composed and performed by Zach Borden. I'm Alicia Bales. We'll see you next time.